Father in heaven, Christ is our anchor, is our only hope in the unsteadiness of the storms that life brings. We find our anchor, our ballast, our rock, and our refuge in Jesus Christ, our Savior and your Son. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you for the reminder and song. And as we come to your word, remind us of these same truths again as we open your book. Speak to us from your truths and equip us so that we may be the sojourners and aliens that dwell on earth until you bring us home. Lord, use your word to encourage and uh, edify your people. May each one here hear exactly what you wish them to hear from your word today. Father, may you use your word to build us up as a church and help us to be faithful saints and disciples who run the race with endurance until the end. And one day we can look back near the end of our lives that we have fought the good fight, that we have finished the course because of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and praise you for our time and ask that you now be glorified as we preach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated, brothers and sisters. And if you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to the book of Hebrews this morning. We return back to Hebrews. and We'll be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 uh, this day. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. And uh, I am greatly encouraged to see so many of you out here on this uh, early Sunday morning, especially our guests. Uh, welcome to you. Glad you made it. In spite of all the rain and weather out there, uh, you could have turned back, but I'm glad you made it. Uh, man, I would think about turning around. No, I wasn't. But, uh, you know, I was thinking, oh, this is pretty rainy weather. Uh, I'm wondering how many people are going to make it early at 8 a.m. Maybe some of us will be here uh, a little Heavier crowds at 11.15, perhaps. But anyways, it's a good to be with you, see you here worshiping the Lord together with us. It's always a privilege to open up the book of the Word of God with this morning. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. This, we're just picking up again uh, the book of Hebrews. We've been going through a series. We just went this past month thankful for the opportunity for us to remind ourselves of our mission, our vision, our values of the Bible. And, and then, especially Pastor Rogers' message last week, our response to the, to the gospel. And so... What an encouragement for us this past month. Hopefully uh, you caught all this message. If not, you can listen to them online. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3 is where we're going to be this morning. And I'll just go ahead and read it. It's just a short passage. Let's read it out. Uh, let, let me read it for us to hear. Listen to the word of God. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. As you can tell from this uh, passage that we just read, uh, there is an imagery of running a race. 
And many of you are probably surprised to hear it, but I was a high school athlete. Uh, I was a cross-country jock, actually. Um, in my freshman year, I joined the Garfield Bulldogs JV cross-country team. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty impressed. I know. Uh, <clears throat> I'm very qualified. And I, in that uh, beginning, before the year began, I started to practice with the team, uh, running different distances, running sprints, and then eventually building up greater distances, running up to 11, 14-mile runs, uh, all throughout, running throughout the city with my, you know, uh, with my cheap running shoes on the hard concretes of cities, streets of Seattle. And eventually, I got to run my first meet. Anybody cross-country runners here? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, good to see that. A few of you, all right. So you know what it's talking about. Ran a first meet. That was exciting. And, you know, I don't think I made it much difference for our team. But nevertheless, uh, I finished that race. I, I, I did complete it. But while the city, and, and then tragedy struck. While the season was still young, uh, I began to experience this intense pain in my lower leg, uh, right here in my shins. I would later learn that this was called shin splints, and it's usually attributed because you, you're running with bad shoes on cement for long distances, and, and that's what happens, because you probably didn't build up that endurance either. And now, of course, I was forced to stop running and, and to, in order to recover. However, for whatever reason, my young mind as a freshman, really, you think the freshman, ninth grader, I didn't knew nothing, I could not somehow see beyond the injury. I knew nothing about sports and how medicine and healing and things like that. I knew nothing of what it would take. I, I knew that I just felt pain when I ran. I knew I knew no one who had experienced the same thing and could tell me about what to expect and how to get better. In short, I, I knew nothing about how or why to endure. So I went up to my coach and I told him that I was quitting. And I never returned. And thus ends my short-lived cross-country career. It, uh, I've always looked upon it as a disappointing blip in my otherwise uh, uneventful days as a high school student in Seattle. But today I see how that the Lord has allowed that to happen in my life to be an example, uh, an illustration, if you will, of exactly how not to run a race with endurance. How not to start running and try to and make, with, make plans to run and finish the race to the end. You see, the Bible, of course, as we looked at and read this morning, portrays the Christian life as a race. Not a sprint, but more like a marathon, right? I know a couple of you out there are marathon runners, and you have my great respect, because I don't think I could ever do it. Though I'd love to do it someday. Along the way, of course, in this long race of a marathon, there are obstacles and hindrances to us completing the race. There are trials and there are temptations that discourage us and entice us to quit. The whole book of Hebrews, in fact, was written for the purpose of encouraging saints to not quit, to not give up hope and faith in Jesus Christ in the midst of trials and temptations and persecution because of their faith. The book has primarily done so by reminding the reader of none other than Jesus Christ, of who he is, our great high priest, who stands and who sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us, who has gone before us 
as the author of our salvation. And today we'll learn more that he's the author and perfecter of faith. Today's passage combines the, the Christian life as a race analogy with the exhortation to run with our eyes fixed on Jesus, our great high priest, our champion, our savior, our son of God. So that when you face trials and temptations that may just tempt you to quit, to give up faith in Christ, to draw you away from him, God wants you to remember this passage today, these truths in our text today. I know for many of you, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, are one of those passages that speak greatly to you. They're, they're one of those life verse passages. But these, are the, these verses are the instruments and the truths within are the instruments that will guard you and me from quitting the race, even if we develop injuries and weaknesses along the way. As we look at these three verses this morning, I want to show you four points, four considerations for us today. Four considerations for running the race faithfully to the end. Many of us, all of us here as believers in Jesus are running the race. And we're, we've gone through different <coughs> obstacles so far. We're not yet complete, but we want to finish the race faithfully to the end. As we look at this passage, we, the main verb is found at the end of verse 1, and it is that verb, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the main verb of this passage. Surrounding it are three participial verb phrases, three uh, participles that modify this main verb. And so together with the main verb these, and these three participles, they make up our four points today. It's not my outline, it's the outline that's in the text. And so let's take a look then. At consideration number one, God wants us to consider the, our encouragement to run, the, or the encouragement for us to run. Therefore, verse one says, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now this phrase encourages the reader with this motivation to run the race with endurance, to run faithfully to the end. And this encouragement involves recognizing and remembering that there is a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And as soon as we read this, many of us have read this verse, and in our minds we immediately pictured ourselves running a race, maybe a marathon race, and and all around us are people watching and witnessing us run this race. They are cheering us on, go, Henry, go, don't quit, you can do it, the end is coming up, keep it up, yes, you're doing great, you're doing really good. Keep on running. That's what I pictured when I read this verse, probably the first time in my life and many other times subsequently. But that's actually not quite accurate to what's being portrayed here, what's being communicated here. The great cloud of witnesses, if you recall, refers back to the long list of men and women of faith back in chapter 11. Remember the, the by faith, by faith, by faith, all these different people lived and walked and, and trusted in the Lord? Remember that? And remember how back in chapter 11, verse 2, we read this, that for by it, that is faith, the men of old gained approval? We had learned that that word translated gained approval is related to this word witness. It literally is the verb which means obtain a good witness, obtain a good testimony. 
See, the whole chapter of 11 is a list of saints who were a good testimony, who were a good witness of those who had believed in God's promises, who had believed in the Lord even in spite of adversity in life. Even though what they had believed in God for, they might not have received in the life that they lived. They continued to believe God to the end of their race, to the end of their life. And it's no mistake that chapter 11 ends with that same emphasis, 1139. And all these, all these men and women of faith, having gained approval, again, that's our same word, having gained a testimony, gained a witness through their faith, did not receive that which was promised. These saints of old believed God to the end, even though they did not receive the promised kingdom of God that had been promised to them. These are the witnesses that surround us. They're not witnesses surrounding us, looking upon us. I mean, there, there is that, there, you know, we can think of that in that way. But they're witnesses that surround us in the sense that they're the ones that we look to. We look to them to, as witnesses, as testimonies of those who have gone before us, who have run the race before us faithfully and believed in the Lord, trusted in the Lord in the midst of adversity and difficulty. They are our examples, our, our models, our, the, the encouragement to us. They are those who have run and finished the race before us. And the fact that they have finished the race as we think about their lives and their stories is an encouragement to you and me that we can finish the race also. You know, <clears throat> I was a couple of illustrations of this I think about. It's like, remember in high school or wherever you went to school, high school somewhere, there was always that trophy case. You see these pictures of different teams who ran before you and see, and you know, Garfield, the Garfield Bulldogs, we had an awesome uh, track team. And so we'd see like, you know, trophy after trophy, picture after picture of these guys, like state champion, state champion, state champion, you know, track and field, went to track and field, different, different things that they were, they were, the people had won. And those things stand there as a, as a witness of those who have gone before us, who won, who, who ran the race and finished and won. And they were encouragement to us who were running, who were kind of <clears throat> athletes, wannabe athletes really, <clears throat> to also run the race. But of course, I didn't look at those too often, but uh, I didn't get it back then. I just thought, yeah, yeah, a bunch of trophies, who cares? We see it today, though, still, and not so much in, in high school. Most of our in high school, we see it on the football games. Uh, anybody watch a football game recently? Well, <clears throat> but especially during college bowl games, but maybe during the NFL playoffs, say, you'll oftentimes see older players on the, on the sidelines. You ever notice that? They, get, they bring back old players, you know, usually like you know, some famous people, people you recognize, and they'll be standing on the, on the sidelines and they'll be rubbing shoulders with the other player, the players that are on the team. You know, I wonder, why are they there? Is it because, you know, they, they just asked to get, you know, get free tickets so they can go watch the game? Is that why they want to be there? Well, <clears throat> they're there because they're encouragement to the players. They had gone through the same things as the pa- and in the past. They had played the same type of intense games. They had endured the, the pains, the injuries that the, the current players were going through. And they still kept playing the game. And they completed the game, and they won. And so by the fact that they are the witnesses, they're the testimony, and by their word and by their presence on the, fe- on the sidelines, they convey to the present players on the field that they can endure too. And that's this picture of 
the encouragement for you and me is that we have a great cloud of witnesses standing alongside, surrounding us as we run this race. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses as we look to chapter 11. Look at all of them. They are a great cloud of witnesses throughout biblical history and throughout church history as well. Men and women of faith have run the race, have endured to the end, and they serve as witnesses that you can too. Whatever obstacles you face, whatever trials that you're going through, whatever afflictions and weaknesses you endure, you can run the race faithfully to the end too. Are you in a career where belief in the Bible, belief in creation, for instance, the very first two chapters of the book of the Bible, are mocked and ridiculed as backwards and unscientific? How are you going to stand in such a culture? How will you endure as a Christian? Well, like countless saints in the past, you can endure too because of faith in God. Are you called to live apart from your home and family, to leave for a period of time, to follow the Lord's leading elsewhere? Maybe for school, for work? Well, you can remember people like Abraham, and you can endure as you walk by faith in him. If you're a married couple, perhaps you're experiencing infertility like Sarah and and Abraham, you can by faith endure. Are you dying? Are you decaying? Are you recognizing that the end is near and you're afraid of the dying process? Like many other saints before us, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, people who are in the midst of dying, Manifest faith and trust in the Lord. You can endure. You know, we're blessed. We are a 60-year-old church this year. We're a multi-generational church, as the, uh, you know, <clears throat> the trendy people like to say. And we don't even have to look too far to find saints who have gone through the similar trials as we are going through now. The saints who have endured in the faith have come running the race and they've gone through the same things you have. And when we're tempted to quit running the race, we, we can look to them and find encouragement from them to learn from them how they endured, how they trust the Lord. So I encourage you, if, if you're going through trials and you're thinking about quitting the race, you're, you, you're doubting in the Lord, you're doubting God, know that What you're facing is not something that's new. It's not unique to you alone. Among the followers of Jesus Christ, the worshipers of God, there are plenty who have gone through similar things. Find and seek those people out. Ask them how they endured, why they kept trusting God. And I know you'll be blessed with wisdom that will help you keep running the race. And so that's our first consideration. The encouragement to run is that we're surrounded by these witnesses, faithful witnesses who have run before us and endured, and so we look to them as, a, as encouragement, as motivation for us to run the race faithfully to the end. But secondly, our second consideration I want us to look at in running the race faithfully to the end, our text helps us consider the encumbrances to run. We must consider the encumbrances, the things that are, hinder us from running. Verse, uh, verse 1 continues, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, 
Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. This phrase describes for the believer, the reader, how they are to run the race with endurance. And Hebrews exhorts the readers to run the race with endurance by laying aside the things that hinder them from running. Laying aside those things that hinder them from running faithfully to the end. And there are there are two kinds of things that must be laid aside here. First of all, we are to lay aside every encumbrance, it says. Every encumbrance. This is the only time this word appears in the Greek, uh, in the Greek New Testament, I'm sorry. It appears elsewhere in in the the secular Greek uh, literature, but it's the only time it appears in the New Testament. But the word is a simple word that refers to any weight, any burden, any impediment that hinders us, that weighs us down from our running, right? If I told you today, hey, um, Next, uh, we're going to go out, sorry, and we're going to go run a marathon right now. Well, first of all, most of us wouldn't be able to finish because we haven't trained. But say we had trained, how would we get ready? We'd get ready, if, I know for I would get ready by certainly taking off my coat and tie, because I know these would hinder me from running. And certainly, you know, I, I'm going to change my shoes, right? Because if you ever have to run in dress shoes, you can, you can barely, like if you have to walk in dress shoes, you can barely walk, you can't walk too far. And certainly you can't run too far. These are not the high-end uh, kind of shoes. I'd put on some running shoes because these things would hinder me. They're encumbrances. It's not wrong to wear a suit, is it? It's not sin. It's not wearing a suit or a shoes or a tie. But these things are things that are encumbrances for me to run, to run especially to run a marathon. I can run a little bit, but I won't run to the finish, you see. And there are things in our life, your life and mine, that are like encumbrances, They may not be sinful in and of themselves, but there are things that will hinder us. If you want to finish the race, you want to finish, run faithfully to the end, we need to lay aside the the hindrances, these encumbrances. Certainly, there are some jobs, some education, some dating relationships, some hobbies in our lives that can become hindrances to us from finishing the race. How do I know if, if the things in my life are these things? I believe you can get a pretty decent gauge if something is, is going to be an encumbrance to you finishing the race by considering how you might respond if that very thing was taken away. How would you respond? Would you respond with desperation, loss of hope, loss of faith, bitterness against God? You may initially, but is that where you end up? Is that where you remain? For the faithful Christian, though they will at times lose things that are not sinful, but yet they may be precious to them even, the faithful Christian will remember that though they have lost something meaningful, that all will be all right. All is, it, it will be well. Because why? Because they have not lost Christ. And that is enough to keep running the race, even as we lay aside the encumbrances. There's one kind of particular encumbrance that must especially be laid aside, and that is the sin that so easily entangles us. That's the second thing that we're to lay aside. And this picture here is things easily entangle us, things that basically 
but easily trip up our feet, you know, like a little pebble maybe on the ground or maybe loose shoelaces, something that may trip you up or a dip in the road maybe. It's things that would like, <clears throat> are things that can get our feet caught up and then cause us to trip and to fall and to be injured. And sin does that to us, all of us. For the Christian, we must constantly strive against putting off sin because sin easily entangles us. It easily causes us to trip up and stop running for a period of time. And some of you have been through that. Because of sin, you've ran off and sat on the side for a period of years until the Lord convicted you and brought you to repentance and brought you back and you're here. Sin does this. And sin does it. And the sin has the potential to do that to all of us, myself included. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we're ever going to arrive at perfection. We're ever going to be a point where we actually get rid of all sin in our lives. That's not, that's not going to happen in this life. Our experience is like the old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Paul would write elsewhere, this, reflecting this truth in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, I find then that the principle that evil is present in me. The very one who wants to do good. Have you experienced that? You want to do good, but then you do evil? Well, just me, huh? Okay. Huh. Yeah, it does. It happens. Because that sin nature that continues in, our, in the flesh until the one day we are arriving glory in heaven. We are all prone to sin, but we must constantly, as we follow and run this race, be vigilant to put off, lay aside the sin that easily entangles, to resist sin, and to confess sin, and to look to Christ who paid for our sins when we sin. For you will be sure that whenever anyone forsakes Christ and quits running the race, that it is because of sin in their lives that they do not want to give up. If you want to run the race faithfully to the end, always be alert for the, the, and to lay aside the, the encumbrances, the hindrances, the sin that so easily entangles us to run the race to the end. That's consideration number two. Thirdly, I want us to consider, the text has us to consider, and this is the main verb, and so this is the, our third consideration and exhortation, the endurance to run. We must consider the endurance that is necessary to run. Verse 1 continues this way, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The verb is, <clears throat> interestingly, and to me, it was surprisingly to me, it's not a command. It's not imperative in the Greek. But rather, it's an exhortation. It's the uh, well, that's Greek, the Greek grammar conveys it as an exhortation. Let us do this. It's like saying, hey, come on, hey, let us, let's do this. The author concludes himself into this exhortation. This is something he himself also strives to do. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice, it's not an exhortation. I want you to notice, it's very important. This is not an exhortation just to run. Let us, it says, let us run, Period. But it's an exhortation to run with endurance. Run with endurance. For every professing believer who begins living the Christian life, who begins walking with Christ, is running this race. We all begin running. We're all running the race. 
And this, uh, this analogy of the Christian life as a race is, is most prominently stated by Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27, we read this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not being there, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul speaks here of running this race, and he's incur- in, in 1 Corinthians 9, he's encouraging them to run to win. Run to win, and you cannot win unless you finish. The author of Hebrews, in contrast here, speaks of running with endurance, running to finish. You'll never win unless you finish. And what's emphasized here is the endurance that is needed to finish this long marathon race. Three times in these three verses, this word endurance is emphasized, is used. Not only here in verse 1, but in verse 2 of Jesus enduring the cross, and in verse 3 also of Jesus enduring hostility by sinners. Endurance is a word that is pictures remaining under pressure. When you have a weight on you, when this, you, we often you say, well, I've just got this big burden on my back. You know, it's, it's just heavy, weighs me down. And a lot of times when we have weights, we want to cast it off. But endurance is this idea that when you are not able to remove that, that weight, maybe it's actually something that's necessary for you to endure, well, then to, to, to carry up, then you need to remain under that weight. Now, Why? Do we do that? Why, does, why are we to remain under pressure? Because remaining under pressure produces in us a result. It produces us, encourages us to develop faith, to become more like Christ, to learn to follow his example. The Christian life and service will involve times in our, where we're going to face pressure and challenges, and turmoil, and toils. And, we, and you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, do not be surprised when you face it, because you will face it. Those of you that are, uh, I don't need to say it to this crowd, not very many of you are young Christians. But you know, when you're a young Christian, you thought that all of life would be perfect when you came to Jesus, or at least close to it. But we then began to face some trials, and we came to any troubles, and you start wondering, is God so good? Yeah, absolutely God is good. But we have to go through that. We have to be tested and trust. Is our faith still in the God who is good? Do I believe what he says in his word? And all of you, many of you, I'm speaking to most majority of our older congregation, so you know, you know this. Tell our younger people this, if they ask. Even if they don't, tell them anyways. And as we run this race, facing these trials, we are to run with Endurance. We're going to run the race. We need to finish it. It'll take endurance, take self-control, purpose, discipline. We must endure. In fact, endurance is not just, we don't find here in Hebrews. We, find it, we found it earlier in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, 36. That this is really what we need in order to not quit the race, to hold on to Jesus. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. 
We need endurance if we're going to keep running this race faithfully to the end, if we're going to hold fast to Jesus to the end. So where do we get endurance? Is it just something that we kind of just, just buckle up and just tighten up and just go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to endure. There is effort. We're called to respond. There's activity on our part. But endurance is a work that is produced in us by God. James will, writes elsewhere, as you know, that it's the test. Uh, actually, in verse 2, it goes back to verse 2. Consider all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing, verse 3, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That God allows trials in our lives, and we should consider it all joy, rejoice in them even, because we know that when we go through trials, God is going to use them to produce endurance in us, to teach us endurance, to, to show us that the gen, for the genuine faith in Christ in the midst of trials will keep on trusting in the Lord and will learn endurance. And if we lack wisdom, we say, well, I don't know how to endure. Then the next verse, verse 5, later on verse 5 tells us, well, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God. God will give you wisdom. For God gives generously to all and without reproach. Not only does endurance come from God and that we need endurance to run the race faithfully to the end, but we learn that, there's in, <clears throat> that the key to all of this running with endurance is our fourth and final consideration, the the sine qua non of running the race with endurance. You cannot have run the race with endurance without this, and that is our example to run. That is our example in running the race, and it's, of course, Jesus Christ. Verse 2 and 3 all emphasizes the focus upon Jesus for running this race with endurance. This is the key Fixing our eyes on Jesus, verse 2, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. We've all seen those clips and videos on YouTube of runners as they're running the race, you know, they get near the end, they, they arrive at the finish line, and what do they do? You know, they're, 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 they, they turn their head back, and they look at where the, you know, the competition is, and, the, and what happens? They trip and they fall, right? You've seen those clips? Go, go, go YouTube it, you'll see. There's, just, there's plenty of those kind of situations where people almost won, but they got, took their eyes off the finish line, off the the goal of the prize, and they looked elsewhere, they looked at the crowds for us, they looked at their feet, who knows, but they stumble and fall. For the Christian, our eyes are to be continually fixed upon the finish line. And the finish line is not just a place, but it's a person. It's of Jesus Christ. We're to fix our eyes on our spiritual finish line, if you will, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the author and perfecter of faith. We've seen that word author back in chapter 2, verse 10, where Jesus was the author of salvation. That is, he's the initiator. He is the leader. He's the originator of faith. It's because of him that we actually even have faith in him. Without Jesus, none of us would have faith. Or not at least not a saving faith. Jesus leads the way in running this race of faith. And not only that, but he, we learn that he's also the perfecter of faith. 
It's not, and some translations will have the perfecter of our faith, as if it's particularly our faith. But it's really not. It's perfecter of the faith, of faith itself. The faith, that, the faith of all includes our faith, your faith and mine, but it's really faith in, as a whole. The gift of faith, faith that he give, God gives to us has an intended goal. When you and I are given faith to believe in Jesus, it's, it has an intended goal. It's to believe in Jesus, but that's not the end goal in mind. The end goal in Bryce is that in the end, God will bring all who put their faith in him to, to the very, its very end, and that is salvation, glorification, that will, own, that will ultimately be manifest one day in the kingdom of God. For we're, we are saved spiritually, our souls are saved, but our bodies, as we talked about, are still have the fle- a curse of sin, have, that, or have the effect of the curse of sin, that sin nature. But one day, when, after we die, we will be, we'll go up to heaven, we'll be bodiless in heaven for a period of time, the intermediate state. But one day, when Christ returns, we will be resurrected, our bodies will be resurrected, and we will be given new bodies along with our soul, and we'll be, call that state, of, that eternal state, that glorified body state, where we are both physical and spiritual, completely restored to whom you and I were designed to be by God. The intended goal, the end goal of the, our faith, the faith that was begun by Jesus, and he will perfect it, he'll ultimately, we will, and we will look like whom? Like Jesus. That is the intended goal. And that is that work that he is still doing in our life, and he will complete it one day. When we look to Jesus, and so when we look to Jesus, we look to him as our example. We look to him as one who's, who, in whom we can learn to not grow weary, because he sets the example for us. He himself was a model of faith. Notice that he also went through trials in life, as you know. He went through the cross. It was the, the cross was the most shameful way to die, and he endured it. And that, it's an understatement just to simply say that he endured the cross, for there on the cross he endured the wrath of God, the infinite wrath of God for all of sin, all our sin. And yet he endured it for the joy set before him, for the end goal of the joy of seeing men and women come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and becoming part of his kingdom. You know, <clears throat> Jesus is our example of, who ran the, of one who ran the race with endurance to the end. And we can follow his example in that way. But we can also be encouraged that he is the author and perfecter of their faith. And for the, particularly the Hebrew uh, audience, they were enduring hostility through, because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And they can remember that just as Jesus endured hostility by sinners, that they, while they face hostility by sinners, can also endure, and that they can receive an encouragement to not grow weary and not lose heart, to not quit. Keep our eyes on Jesus. It's so easy. It's, you learn it in kindergarten. My, my kids are probably going to learn today in their Sunday school class and, and children's church. It takes a lifetime to remember and practice, is it not? So easily our eyes wander. Oh, look at that shiny thing. Oh, look at that neat thing. 
Oh, look at this fun thing, this place I can go to. Our ease, we, we get so distracted, we take our eyes off Jesus, and if we take it off too long, we, we stumble and fall. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. Ask any faithful saint who endures to the end. What keeps them faithfully trusting and serving the Lord? You know how they'll answer? I haven't asked everyone. But I'm going to guess that they're going to answer that it's, it, their answer is not going to be because of all the appreciation that they have received from others. That's why I faithfully run, because I appreciate all the appreciation. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, church family, for your generous love gift towards us pastors. We just received it recently. Faith saints of old are not going to be faithful to the end because of the reward, necessarily because of the rewards that they think they're going to get in heaven. They're not going to answer that it's, we're been faithful to the end because, well, it was my duty and obligation. I had to do it because I'm a Christian. Rather, without exception, everyone endures. Everyone runs the race to the end to faithfully because they will say and they will answer because of Jesus. Because they've kept their eyes on Jesus and the salvation that has been provided for them in, through faith in him, who died for them in their place. And therefore, how can they not keep running towards the one whom they love, the author and perfecter of faith? If that is not true, you older saints, tell me, please. Tell me it's not because of Jesus that you keep running. And if it's not, I don't know why I would. Us older saints, we have a responsibility to be example for the ones who come after us, to keep fixing our eyes on Jesus. And though it's hard, though we're, we begin the dying process, we're afraid at times, we're afraid we're going to quit, afraid we're going to lose heart and grow weary. But Jesus is our only hope. He's our only anchor. He's been my rock through all of life. How will he not be the rock and refuge till the very end? Right? And I've seen it by so many of you, and I, I trust that that is the truth. And it's all because of Jesus, the one whom we look to. Philippians 1.6 expresses this confidence. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus is our author and perfecter of faith. Well, let me wrap up then with this. <clears throat> this passage reminds us that when we begin running this race, we, are, we do not run as those who are without help or without hope. For we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, encouraging us. And most importantly, we have a great forerunner in Jesus Christ, who not only is our example, but through his death on the cross, the author and perfecter of our faith. And with eyes fixed on Jesus, encumbrances laid aside, and witnesses surrounding us, let us keep running the race faithfully to the end. For at the end is our prize and our hope, the one whom we love, who first loved us, Jesus Christ. 
We will not quit when the difficulties and challenges arise. We will hold on to Jesus, our anchor, our high priest, and our champion. Let us, brothers and sisters, run the race with endurance till the end. A couple questions for us. So you can think about this morning as you meditate on the text. Who are some witnesses, witnesses in biblical history, church history, even this church history, that encourage you to run faithfully to the end? Think about them. God has surrounded us with them. What are, secondly, what are some encumbrances that may be hindering you from running faithfully to the end? And thirdly, how does Jesus' example of, the, of faith encourage you to run faithfully to the end? And with that, let's close in prayer. Lord in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for these truths. Most importantly, thank you for Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, the one who has authored salvation for us, begun us on this journey of faith, begun us on this, this race. And Lord, as we, many of us are continue running, Lord, we pray that you would help us to run with endurance this race that is set before us. Even as many of us endure different trials, different troubles, Lord, we know that we can finish because of Jesus. Help our eyes not to turn away from him. Help us to always look to him who himself endured and trusted in you while hanging on the cross so that he might bring about the salvation that all of us now know through through faith in Jesus. Lord, Help us to be faithful, we pray. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Please help us to lay aside encumbrances and sin that so easily entangle us. And help us to remember the great cloud of witnesses that surround us as we run. Lord, we praise you and thank you for Jesus again. In his name we pray. Amen.